0: Welcome to Careers for the Blind. My name is Harrison Hoyes, and I'm losing my sight to retinitis pigmentosa. As my vision continues to get worse, I wanted to have conversations with other blind and visually impaired people to see what advice they may have to offer and keep me motivated and inspired and continuing to strive to do the best that I can in my career. I know I'm not the only person going through this type of situation, so my hope is other people will benefit from hearing these conversations the way that I've been benefiting from them. And in this way, I'll be able to give to others what my guests have been so generous to give to me. In May 2022, I had a conversation with Eli Sanchez. Eli lost his sight from a very early age, but always kept an attitude of being willing to try new things. He discovered that he had a passion for getting his hands on things and taking things apart and putting them back together, which ultimately led to one of his first jobs out of high school as an automobile mechanic. And through a combination of events, he decided to become a Certified Assistive Technology Specialist. Here's my conversation with Eli. To start out, can you just tell me a little bit about your experience of
1: vision loss? So yeah, I'm I'm 25 years old, and uh, I was born a little a little bit too early. I got impatient in the womb, mm-hmm. and on top of that, I was messing around in there too much, and I got I got the uh, managed to get the umbilical cord wrapped right around my neck for a while. So I was born. I guess you would say sort of stillborn, so they had to bring me back into a little bit of a more uh, stable state, you know? <laughs> okay, okay. You know, it was pretty pretty early on, uh, a couple months into into me breathing this air out here that uh, we realized, well not, well, not me exactly, but these folks out here around me realized that we were having some issues here with the old vision. So it kind of progressed, and sure enough, what was going on was uh, I had uh, some glaucoma going on. And uh, on top of that, there was uh, some detachment of the retina. I do not remember exactly what was done, but this was, you know, uh, late 90s when all this work was being done. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I remember looking through my paperwork and I don't remember looking at if there's like, I don't remember seeing any of that like laser treatment and stuff that they have these days. But I do remember the drops and, and, you know, they did some surgeries. But ultimately, by the time I was about four years old, My retinas were fully detached and my left lens, I mean, basically exploded from uh, eye pressure. So from that point forward, there hasn't been many vision changes since. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So when you were a kid, did you
0: know very many blind people?
1: I didn't know any. Not a single one. I I went through uh, Blind Babies Foundation. I was pretty small. And I still remember her name that worked with me, Colette, super sweet lady. I was like uh, two years old and then two or three years old. And then from there, I transferred into the Sonoma County Office of Education. And I got to work with this uh, wonderful, wonderful, sweet woman named Terry Wedler, Hobie's mom. And she was working with me from like the age of uh, uh, like three and a half up until clear. I was about 14 years old. But, you know, other than Hobie, I didn't know others. I I remember visiting a low vision or a a, a center for the blind called the Earl Baum Center back in '99 when they first opened up, 1999. And I remember going through the kids there, and there weren't all that many. Most hmm. of the people there were already older individuals, right, that had lost vision due to just age-related complications or diabetes or things like that. But there wasn't much for. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty rural out here, so there isn't there wasn't many many blind individuals okay
0: all right yeah when you were going through high school uh what kind of accommodation did you get and were you thinking about what type of career you would have after high school Uh,
1: well to start off with i i never felt like i was a great student all right i was good at math but only reason i was motivated by math was because i understood pretty quickly that banking is all done with math and i understood that banking gets me money so we're doing this apr and and compounded interest and we're doing it all brother Mm-hmm. right? I can make bar graphs and hyperbolas and all kinds of stuff within a minute. And also on top of that, I was also, I'm always super intrigued in working with machinery. So CNC machines, lathes, and I understood really quickly that I need to understand my X, Y, and Z axis, which helped me greatly in calculus and algebra. But in terms of like my sciences and stuff like that was all cool, but I was never that good of a student. I, you know, I, I always knew that. So I lead with that because i wasn't thinking about what my career was going to be you know i was just getting through high school trying to make some money and trying to graduate but in terms of my uh my accommodations i had a one-on-one aide with me working with me that would read me any paperwork that was handed to me on the spot in class as well as my uh support services here through sonoma county office of education they provided me with a teacher for the visually impaired which at the time her name was or is um She's on t v i anymore but her name is uh Kanan, uh Richards another super awesome lady, and also I got to get um, you know all my material in braille and audio, but for me, audio is good on the pinch right when you need something that's an audio and mm-hmm. let's you know if you need to read a book within three days and and it's already one day in you're looking for the book let's get the audio and get it done but for mm-hmm. me to read anything and get it to stick like actually stick right. I need to have it in braille so i was lucky enough to have access to that through the cinema county office of education and uh working with people like neil mckenzie and and at the time dustin uh st john was working there and they would produce all the braille so my math was produced in braille my algebra um or like in science right they would produce my chemistry uh paperwork in braille for me and i mean it was incredible how these guys work because i you know i would take a summer class which is you know you condense the the whole semester of of your chemistry into a matter of I think it was twelve weeks, mm-hmm. maybe even less. I think it was less. So we had to burn through three worksheets a day, and uh, it was incredible because they got handed the material. And I remember every morning, you know, those guys would start at like five a.m. to have all my material ready for me by eight a.m. And then yeah. I could do it. You know, they hell of a hell of a team, man. They they yeah. got me through it all.
0: Yeah, you no, know. that's uh. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I don't. I think I feel like most people that I've spoken with haven't had quite that level of, of care. I'll say.
1: Oh no, you know? no, 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 no. This is, I uh, this area where this area here is uh, Cinema County in general. We are especially blessed to have uh, the type of support here for low vision and and blind individuals, because, I mean, you you have you have people like these guys that work in this education system. And as long as you're willing to put in the work, they're willing to fight whoever it is that they have to fight to get their material. They'll put the time in. They'll, they'll, they'll do it all for you. As long as you, as long as you follow through on your part, right. You do the actual work, you know? And they always told me too, like, look, we're doing the work and we're getting paid either way we get paid. So if you do the work or not, I don't care, but you're not going to, your excuse is not going to be that you don't have the material. You have the material, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and it's, it's, it's something special because, you know, I, Due to my my nature of my job, I've been able to travel around the country, and I, and I haven't found many other places that have this kind of support, you know. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was it's definitely. Um, oh, I mean, gosh, man, I just I wouldn't know even know how to express my gratitude for for that support that I had coming up in the school system because I did the whole K through twelve, you know, just through the regular, uh, through the the standard education system.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Right. So based on one of our earlier conversations, I know you didn't go to college right away. Can you tell me a little bit about what you were doing for work after high school? Because it sounds like you, even though you say you weren't a great student, it sounds like you were pretty inclined with with the math and science fields, but you didn't decide to go to to college right away. What were you doing after high
1: school? So funny thing is um, I graduated high school and Right away, I dove into the junior college system here in Santa Rosa. You know, I was lucky enough to have Department of uh, Rehabilitation here pick up some of the tab I had here for the expenses. And I also had some money saved up. And when I graduated high school, I thought, well, I'm going to go into uh, marine biology. right? Because I was already fishing at the time. I loved it. And I already had completed some pretty advanced math, right? So I was already through calculus by the time I graduated. And I had um done chemistry and biology. I'd done I think two levels of biology and one level of chemistry. So I went right into the JC system. Um okay. I did the I just started doing my uh, prerequisites to transfer. I you know, I got I got everything lined up to transfer into Humboldt State after uh I think my timeline was something like five years or something like that. But like two years into that whole endeavor, yeah, I was like, let me see, I went in at eighteen. So, yeah, by the time I was 20, I was already out of there. So I took it as far as I could, but it turns out it's not what I wanted to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just, uh, it was just too much paperwork for me. I don't have the patience for it. I don't like to sit inside too long. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And uh, so I said, oh, well, oh, well, we're going to drop out of here and see what else we do. I'm running out of money anyway. So I did. We we just didn't put in my, uh, I didn't line up any new schedule for classes or anything. And, uh, started poking around for work out here and boy, man, that was tough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was tough. Cause I already knew I needed a W2. I knew I needed a W2 because I had plans already to refinance this house and some other things I needed. I needed some work experience. I couldn't be, you know, this whole time I had been working majority of, uh, my time, but I was getting paid in cash for this job or that job, whichever you will. But, uh, you know, I needed some paper trail now, and that was really hard because you know you're. you're I knew I was well qualified for uh, you know your, your standard uh, call center positions like at AT and T or this or that, right? But it just I just wasn't getting hired, and people that I knew, you know, because it's a small town, they were getting hired and they were way underqualified for what they got hired for. You know, they, it was funny because they would get hired and then they'd shoot me texts like, "Hey, how do you fix this?" And I'd answer right back. <laughs> hmm so then I went into uh, just like I said doing odd jobs and stuff and I I just tinkered with things while in my free time and just tried to expand on anything I could expand on that could potentially get me employment right Um, and I went into just kind of got into working on vehicles and uh, you know popped around from little shop to work you know little shop to little shop and uh, the problem with that was I was still getting paid in cash (laughs) And uh, it was getting rough. It was getting rough, but I still, I still made enough to eat, right, and pay my bills.
0: Tell me a little bit more about going from shop to shop, and how did you, how did you learn to work on vehicles, and, and how did you get those, those jobs? Even though you're saying there were cash positions, but, but still, how did you learn to do that
1: type of work? It's something I would always been interested in um, since I was a kid. Right. I, I uh, by this point in my life, I was, you know, 20 going on 21 and I had already built a uh, 1995 Toyota 4Runner and two other boats. Right. I started uh, when I was in high school, I somehow convinced the, the metal shop teacher to let me take his class twice. And he was all on board. He was cool. Right. And since I was a kid, um, I just always liked taking things apart and trying to get them back together and it just made sense i you know it was it was just something i like to do and once you start getting into that kind of field and you got your buddies that you know you weld with or you work with um stuff like that then you can you know you can as long as you network you can pull a string here and there
0: okay all right so it was you know, you know friends that you that you knew from from high school taking those shop classes that kind of got you some of the first those first positions in those various vehicle shops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Either from high school or or uh you know, I I I I did a fair amount of traveling when I was younger, right? We'd go from house party to house party. You know, there were days where we'd go from like Sonoma County all the way down south to Bakersfield and then come back up into Orange County and then come back home. Right. So I had I had a good amount of friends spread across California um and then on top of that my family's huge right so you get to meet friends of cousins and their friends and their cousins and mm-hmm. you know so it, it helps you de- i definitely came into an area where uh we're into a position in life where i was able to network pretty easily um and 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 um you know one of the main guys that uh he he, he helped me a lot was this guy named uh greg he has since passed on but uh older gentleman and and uh he gave me some really good advice about just getting into uh into shops and uh and kind of just you know who to talk to and whatnot. And uh you know he was he was an awesome guy. He gave me a lot of tools, gave me a lot of advice. He's a cool guy. Okay. Yeah.
0: Can can you tell me a little bit more specifically what were you doing at the shops? Uh
1: mainly is doing um suspension and brake work, right? So swapping out brakes. Um, you know, front and rear brakes, uh, swapping out um, tire and wheel combinations, shocks, uh, building front suspensions, rear suspensions, uh, simple things like changing out uh, air filters and fuel filters and uh, spark plugs, spark plug wires. You know, nothing, I'm not, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't building engines by hand by any means, but, uh, you know, we were getting hmm. them going. Yeah. Oh, no, that's very cool.
0: Yeah. And and uh, and a lot of that you kind of just learned self-taught or yeah, most uh, of it
1: majority of it yeah? was self-taught.
0: Wow. Um, yeah, yeah th- th- there's I haven't heard of very many blind or low vision folks, you know, swapping out their own brakes or uh, you know, doing doing stuff like that. So that's really neat. That's really cool. Oh,
1: yeah. It's fun, man. I I I thoroughly enjoy it. I've done engine swaps on my boats. I've done uh you know i've never done a full transmission swap on my own and i dove right into one uh 2 years ago on a giant uh turbo diesel f250 that's parked in my driveway right now and i mean that was super fun i did the whole swap on my own i i went from your standard blown out transmission that i got it for or with um it was fully blown you know it just wouldn't go forwards or backwards and i i got a race transmission built in florida and i put it in myself here in mm-hmm. my in the dirt in my backyard <laughs> all right. and it turned all out right. killer you know and it's it's just it's a super fun if you're into this kind of stuff yeah, yeah. so who's driving it for you anybody who's willing to terrorize the town <laughs> <laughs> it's a straight pipe from the turbo back and super loud turbo and diesel truck and i mean the thing takes off insane and it makes a lot of racket and it blows smoke <laughs> okay. giant white pickup <laughs> all right all right
0: cool all right, let's let's uh, let's all right, talk about I know you're you're you've moved on from, from doing the working in the shops and working on vehicles for for an income. Um yeah. so tell me about what you did next to for employment.
1: So after after working on uh, vehicles for a while, um you know, you, if you can't you can't work on vehicles these days without understanding how computers work very well. Um, and then, and, and the, uh, the newer, the model, the more you have to understand computers. I mean, you look at a Tesla and it's, it's just a computer with four wheels on it,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? So inherently when I started to get into, uh, building these insane diesel trucks, so I got super sucked into it. Um, I had to get, I had to understand how to run these tuners because I mean, you put things like big turbos, big injectors uh uh ported out intakes, uh big lift pumps, stuff like that. But none of that matters if your computer on the truck doesn't understand how to pump it in. Because mm-hmm. the computer's programmed to set uh to read a sensor as to how much fuel flow it is, and if there's too much or too little, the computer will either stop pumping or pump more. So you have to understand and tell a computer, well, I need you to pump this much. Change the value in there. So I, I inherently had to figure that part out myself. Um and I started tearing it apart and I got you know pretty into my computers here just to get you know just to get the basics of uh these tuning done these tunings done and uh and at the same time just by sheer chance I was also doing some volunteer work with some um with a group that the Sonoma County well some of my friends put together a group uh that got together a lot of the low vision and blind individuals from around the area here. And they would go out as far as like Sacramento. So I started volunteering with them. And oddly enough, it was at the same place I visited back in 1999 when I first lost my vision called the Earl bomb center. And they were gracious enough to let my friends have, their, um, have the gathering there. Mm-hmm. Well, I did volunteer work and just, you know, because I knew computers, most of the individuals there were a little older. So just by, by, you know, the days I would get there a little early to set up for the group. Um, and I'd just walk around the campus. It's a big campus. And I would walk around and find some of these individuals, um, you know, and, and just by, just by chatting around, right. They'd be, Oh, do you know how to fix this on this iPhone? Or do you know how to pair my, my smart glucose meter that, to my iPhone so I can have it read it out to me or, you know, things like this. And I'd say, yeah, sure we can do it. And I'd I'd hook them up. I'd pair them up or, you know, do this or that. And, and uh, it kind of just became a thing. Honestly, I mean, I would show up, and people knew to look for me, and they would ask for me. And hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And yeah, sure, why not? I would do this and that. And after a while, my buddy goes, "Well, why don't you, um, you know, why don't you, 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 uh, why, don't, why don't you get into this field, right? Because technically, um, when I was growing up, working with all this AT stuff that I needed to work with, there wasn't much in the way of support here at the time. Uh, like I said, we're kind of rural out here." Uh, so we don't we didn't have much for support so i was figuring out my own equipment like braille note takers um jaws i remember installing jaws 3.0 on like five different discs uh, mm-hmm. so things of this nature i was figuring out myself so inherently when other students in the county needed help uh, because i was able to set it up myself then then their tvis would contact terry wedler or somebody at the school and be trying to get in contact with me and so i can walk them through how i did it and, So I was pretty familiar with all this tech, right. Mm -hmm. Um, just sheer necessity. So my friend goes, well, let's, let's, uh, let's, if you get your certification, um, you know, I can talk to these people and when we, when you don't get your certification, uh, we can see about hiring you. And and sure enough, I said, Oh yeah, let's, let's just do it. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, I was, I'm always up for a career change Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, And I said, well, I want to pay in cash for it. I don't want to take any loans out or anything. So I said, send me the information, and I'll look it over, and he did. And it was $1,800 to get your certification. And I didn't have much at the time. Um, So I said, well, if I get the money together, I'll do it. And uh, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked. And sure enough, two days before the closing um, period for the enrollment, I got my last uh, $200 for a break job on a uh, 2007 honda crv little suv and it was cool so i paid for the i, I put it on my um put it on my credit card deposited my cash and um into the into the credit card paid off and and uh we did the course and i got out of the course and i got hired on to the staff at the uh Earl Baum center for the blind here in santa rosa all right yeah yeah oh, there you go
0: can you tell me about what the experience of going through the certification process
1: was like? It was pretty straightforward in the fact that uh, when, you, when you signed up for the program, the, uh, it was all online, right? I did, I wanted to do online. You can also do a couple in person, but I wanted to do online. So I signed up and got my emails with all my account uh, information with create passwords and stuff. And it was pretty straightforward, but the thing about it was you have to understand how to how to manage your own time um, because the the people that were facilitating the whole program um super knowledgeable individuals but um you know if you don't if you don't take the time to communicate what your needs are, they are very busy people, and there's a chance that they just they will just assume that you're doing just fine, you know, Mm -hmm. so you need to know what it is that you need and, and understand how to keep your own self on, on track. Um, Which I personally, I love that, right. I was, I was able to um, plan my own schedule, you know, and I love planning my own schedule, but if you're, if you're one of the, if if you're one of the many individuals who, uh, you know, like to have a, set schedule handed to you You say we're doing this and this and this and this at this time um you know the program i took might not necessarily be the best one for you (laughs) you know you do get your deadlines but they're like you know this paper is due on monday in two weeks (laughs) (laughs) you know um, and they'll be like you know if you want to talk about it here are office hours (laughs) so what exactly is the certification program that you that you attended so i did the uh certification program through uh cal state university northridge and um awesome awesome program they cover so much information in there from everything from alternative communication devices for individuals uh who are nonverbal to uh you know uh at related to hearing loss to mobility and blindness um you know many and and they also cover um a range of ages uh in in your in your case notes and stuff the thing i really really liked about it was the fact that they they actually provided you with uh cases from individuals pulled from different organizations um and they would they would allow you to produce a report and then towards the end of it they would they would give us the actual report that was written and uh and you were kind of you were able to compare what you wrote against the report that was turned into either a, a state agency or a federal agency or even just a private agency. But it was, I, I felt like that was a very crucial piece of information because when I graduated the the program and I got placed into work, I already felt pretty confident in my ability to produce a report for the California department of rehabilitation to get my clients, their, their services. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a pretty, pretty important step. Um, in the whole process. Okay. So they helped find you uh, a job as part of that certification program. They did not. The, the job was done through, um, through my friends here, um, in this area, they were able to put some word out for me and, and line up some stuff.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So what's a typical day like nowadays? Typical day is, um, Wake up in the morning about 6 a.m. 5:30 or so, and uh, grab some breakfast. Look through my emails. By 8 a.m., I like to start working with my first client. So, you know, I I'm about eight, eight uh, about 8:50 or so, I can make sure my my laptop's powered up, connected to the internet, and uh, and by 8 a.m., I like to be on the phone with my client, and we'll start working uh, through any uh, any tech. Um, tech training right so i get people that are uh usually i don't see anybody that is going through the k through 12 system by the time i work with them it's because they're in college they're trying to get into college or they're trying to get employment or they are employed and are trying to learn some new software Mm -hmm. um you know so we're either depending on what's going on um We'll, we'll, we'll start working on like the, for example, if they're trying to get employment, I'll start working on the basics, right? So your Outlook, your, um, your file management, your um, uh, Microsoft Word, you know, my whole thing is I like to focus on uh, communication. So if... if If you were to come to me today and say, I just lost my vision yesterday, I need some tech training, where do we start? And my first, my my knee-jerk reaction always is, well, let's get you communicating with the world. We've got to make sure you can send emails. I have got to make sure you can make phone calls. And I've got to make sure that you can write down your thoughts somehow because it's going to be a lot of time for that probably. (laughs) And uh, and then after that, you know, we can start tearing into things like, uh, you know, Google, the Internet itself. So Google Chrome, Microsoft Edge, whichever one you want to do. Uh, Zoom, of course, and Zoom is a big factor now. And any other equipment that, you know, they would have. So Victor readers, um, some magnifiers, uh, what else? You know, just various odds and ends. I do iPhone training over the phone. Most of my stuff is done over the phone now, whereas of before COVID, uh, I was doing like 100, and 100 to 200 miles around the Bay Area uh, a week, just going from place to place to place training. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I guess what are the
0: some of the top assistive technology uh, softwares that you work
1: with? Um, JAWS, definitely, mm-hmm. and so we have JAWS, and we have the um, what would be another one? Oh, uh, VoiceOver for iOS, mm-hmm. and let's see. Victor reader—it's very, very common, especially for uh, individuals who have just lost their vision, because it allows them to utilize the um, the Bard uh, Talking Book Library, mm-hmm. as well as it gives them a mean or a way to uh, take down notes in the form of audio recordings. Right, so they have the dedicated mm-hmm. little microphone button on the side that they can press. Okay, um, and I, I'd say those are the most common ones. Uh, in terms of AT, and um, we do some. I do some Zoom text, not too much though, because usually, by the time people get into Zoom text, it's more often than not it's because they need a different color scheme. And I, you know, I'll set up the color scheme and I say, "Hey, how does this look?" And they'll say, "Same as before." Oh, I forgot to change this, <laughs> right? Because I can't see this color scheme. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, those, those are those are my um, those are my those are my top four, I guess you would say, you know, windows, I do Mac OS, iOS, iPad, OS, um, Android. I do all of the, I do basically most, uh, most, if not all of the braille training in my company currently. So all of the braille note takers, the braille displays, uh, embossers, I'm pretty familiar with embossers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all like, Anything, anything that has to do with Braille and audio, I'm pretty much in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah.
0: What advice do you have for other people that are considering getting into assistive technology training or in into that type of field?
1: I I would say the best thing you can do to prepare yourself for this job is to hand your elder, your uh, the eldest individual in your family a brand new iPad with a keyboard and try to, try to train them to use it because from then on there, it's going to get easier and you'll learn a lot (laughs) about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause there's, there's the thing about, um, doing a T training, uh, that a lot of people don't take into consideration is you can, it doesn't matter how well, you know, the, well, it doesn't, it, it does matter, but like a more important component to understanding how this equipment works is how to understand how to convey it to different individuals that learn, that have very different learning styles. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that, you know, if, if let's say you and three other people come to me that say, we all need to learn jaws. Well, what I do with Bob is not necessarily going to work with Jeff and it probably isn't going to work with you. <laughs> And we're mm-hmm. still learning the same software, you know. So, yeah. you, you you know, you do have to understand your equipment. And if you go into it not understanding your equipment, uh, people are smart. They'll pick up on the fact that you're just trying to uh, you're just trying to you know push it along. The people can pick up on that. But mm-hmm. also, what they can also pick up on is the fact that I, I get this a lot, where people get transferred to me from other trainers, and they. They they always go well. They they know their equipment immensely, but they don't know how to share the knowledge about the equipment. Mm. You know, and that's that's a big thing. You have to you have to know how to convey the knowledge that you have to other individuals that don't necessarily think in the same style that you do.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Uh, do you travel with a cane or a guide dog? I travel with a cane.
1: I um, I can fit a cane into a backpack. I cannot do the same for a guide dog.
0: yeah yeah, very true makes traveling a
1: lot at least for me it makes traveling a lot more uh efficient because you know i'll go out and i'll go out for you know what i think is like a two-hour trip and i end up staying somewhere else for like a day and a half (laughs) (laughs) you know and and uh i gotta plan a little bit more if i have a guide dog in the picture like that yeah absolutely absolutely
0: What are you doing for fun these days? What kind of hobbies do you have?
1: Oh, why'd you go and ask that? <laughs> <laughs> um, just give me, so just I, give me a couple. All right, all right, we'll give a few. Uh, the main one is uh, I'm a fisherman. I've been I've been fishing since before I can remember. Uh, I mean, by the time I can actually form some decent thoughts in my brain, I one of the first memories I have is sitting on the edge of a dock with a little fishing pole. So. I I've been fishing for majority of my life, and um, and I like uh, building boats and building trucks. And it's it's, uh, it's what I like to do. I'm not much of a builder of houses. I'm not good at that stuff. But I mean, you can hand me a chassis and and uh, and we can go from there. Or just I've literally bought a shell of a boat, just the shell of a boat. I built it into an awesome little fishing wagon. Put a motor on it. Built seats and everything. Built its own trailer. I love it. Uh, I like building building things like that. And I like catching fish, and um, and uh, just just nature. Honestly, being in nature, you know, you, I, I just I love uh, in the summertime waking up super early, four or five in the morning, and uh, just sitting outside with uh, some green tea or some coffee, and uh, listening to all the all the animals wake up or go to sleep, depending on which animal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love it yeah
0: All right. anything else you want to share in general you don't have to uh, but uh but just anything else that comes to mind
1: oh man you know other than your 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 standard shout outs you know to mr hobie for getting us connected and uh hobie wedler and and his mom terry wedler for helping me with with everything uh you know from learning braille to even learning english man i, I have i have old uh cassette tapes recordings with her trying to teach me english she'd be oh this is the the toilet and i'd say no it's the baño right i'm a spanish <laughs> speaker <laughs> she'd go it's a dog no it's un perro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and of course the the, the whole uh so i'm county office of education i mean if without them like there's i don't think i would have been able to pull through the the entire k-12 system the way i did you know huge shout out to neil and Mackenzie and and dustin and, Kane and Richards, um, and the Earl Baum Center for the Blind here in Santa Rosa. I mean, I never thought um, the place that I visited when I was was, uh, four years old was (laughs) gonna be one of my actual, you know, on paper first employers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was really cool and a good batch of people there.
0: I hope we can all learn something from my conversation with Eli today. I know for myself, I should always be willing to try to learn new things. Because you never know how some self-taught skills might come in handy later on in life. I hope you come back to hear more inspiring stories from other blind and visually impaired people. Music today is provided by Stephen Podley. and Thanks for listening.